Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother J.W. Brand here at God's Whole Word. Hallelujah. And I'm glad to be here with y'all here on this Tuesday. And uh, it is a good thing to know the Lord. It is a good thing to know God's Word. It is a good thing to know what he's got to say because that is what's going to give us eternal life. What God has decreed is right, is always right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so it is that we are here today and uh, on this podcast. You know, a lot of people, they, they just don't look at this as a podcast. They just don't. Uh, some folks, eh, they say, oh, that ain't no podcast. That's just somebody running his mouth. And uh, all they want to do is talk about God. Well, that's all there really is to talk about when it gets right down to the nitty-gritty of everything ought to center around the Lord. And some people don't like that. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, uh, that we don't have life to do and there's things, you know, there's not things that's got to get done and all. You know, like when our kids were growing up, uh, you know, um, they came home, they had homework to do, you had to instruct them to get it done and and, and maybe you sat down and talked to them about those things and tried to help them, and, you know, all of those things. And so there's things in life that we do that, uh, you know, don't always have a prayer necessarily uh, going on right there and then. You know, you got to take care of things of life, you know. The Bible uh, talks about those things itself, you know. When you look at the Word of God, you look at the truth of God's Word, as I have said over and over and over, God gives us everything for life and godliness. God is not ignorant to the fact that we've, uh, you know, got things to do that isn't always about church or always about uh, a prayer or whatever the case may be. But it all should center around the Almighty God. Amen. Because what you do in life, if you don't allow God to be the center of it, it is all going to come tumbling down. It is right. Because everything that is centered on God is going to stand. And those things that are not centered on God are not going to stand. They are going to crumble. And that is the word of God. They are going to uh, be ultimately destroyed. And so we've got to search out God's word. We've got to study it. We've got to look and we've got to see what does God say about this or what does God say about that? You know, when our kids were growing up and every time we'd take little mini vacations, we had so many kids. We had nine kids at one point and even ten at another point when we were doing some foster care. And, and uh, I'll tell you, it was not an easy thing to do to load them all up. We had a 12-passenger van, and and uh, it was not always the easiest thing to, to get everybody in line and get everybody on the same page and trying to get things done. And we had, uh, you know, mishaps along the way and struggles and different things, especially when one of them just wanted to flat-out rebel against what was going on and what one, uh, so on and so forth. I, I remember one time we decided to uh, take our... Uh, all the kids hiking and we liked to do you know try to find things that didn't cost a lot of money you know with all those kids and all 
And um, we went out camping. Now, I'm not going to tell you the names of the children. I don't want my children getting all bent out of shape and mad because, you know, they still need to learn how to get right with God and serve God. And when, the, you know, you don't do that, then you're just controlled by your flesh. So I'll just say it this way. One of the children. <laughs> uh, you know, we got loaded up and, and, and we planned it all. And, and, you know, we worked hard. I Especially, I, I you know, uh, the, the parents are the ones that you know the kids don't notice that you know that you're so busy trying to get everything planned out and, and they don't see all the details that you put into it uh, they just see that when you get there oh we're having this fun and we're doing this or that and they don't see all the preparations that go into it you know and uh, I remember I, I, I was just working myself to the bone to, you know and, and uh, my spouse too and trying to get everything packed and and all of this, and it was a lot of work gone into it, and told the kids, you know, we wanted to make sure that they had on the right kind of attire, you know, clothes and that kind of thing, uh, because when you go camping where we were at, or not camping, excuse me, when we go hiking, when you'd go hiking uh, where we were at, you had to be mindful of certain things like rattlesnakes and things like that, so we had to make sure that the kids had on the right shoes and all that kind of thing, you know, just being safe and that kind of thing. And uh, a lot of preparation went into it. Even even the fact that uh, we had prepared uh, a breakfast, we had made all of this food for breakfast, pancakes, all kinds of things, and eggs, and uh, bacon, and uh, just, uh, I don't eat the bacon now, but back then I did. And um, But um, we got all this stuff done and got it in containers to keep it hot, you know, and wrapped up real good and everything and got everything loaded up in the van and even got you know lawn chairs and blankets just you know if you've ever been camping or you've ever been uh gone on a day trip and you've got a lot of people involved you know what i'm talking about there's a lot of pre preparation of going going into it you know uh to make everything run smoothly to allow things to go the way that they need to go and you know, and you set certain boundaries, and you, uh, you, you know, you're guiding your children along. And I remember we sat and we have the conversation that you know, when we go ha hiking, you know, we don't. Uh, sometimes the boys that have a tendency that want to run up ahead and jump over boulders and things like, but you can't do that when you're out hiking where there's rattlesnakes and that kind of thing because you could jump on one and startle them and get bit and and all of that. And so you put preparations in place by giving the guidelines and the boundaries and say look we these are the things that we're not going to do because this is uh how we need to uh conduct ourselves in order uh to have a, a a good trip and and along the way uh, really enjoy ourselves and have uh you know time to just uh, reflect on the beauty of god and all that and of course we would talk to the children about that too you know we want to go enjoy the things that God has made uh, for us to enjoy. Now, there's some things in this world that the devil will offer us to enjoy, but those are things that God puts boundaries on us and say, look, I, I know that they're fun. I, I, you know, God's not stupid. He's not ignorant. He knows that the things that Satan offers uh, can be full of all kinds of fun and excitement and thrill and all that kind of thing, especially when you're talking about uh, uh, sexual behaviors and that kind of thing. A lot of people just, uh, you know, they just run crazy with it. And they don't want to stand with the words that God gives uh, as 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 the uh, you know the boundaries that God places there that uh, sex is within the boundaries of marriage and all that people don't want to do that they, a lot of folks will say no 
uh, I, I'm going to just have a good time, and I'm going to. Uh, and then, of course, there's all kinds of things that that can happen with that. Uh, people can put themselves in serious danger, uh, as well as um, you know, uh, disease and even death that can come because of a lack of boundaries on on people's sexual behavior. And um, but but anyway, uh, so you say, well, why'd you bring that up? Well, because there's so many things that people want to argue about with God and His Word and why He puts the boundaries on things that He does and why that God calls out the things that He does and explicitly explains to us uh, certain things that, uh, you know, such as what He hates. You know, God is not telling us, as, as we have been studying, the things that He hates just to, just to say, well, I'm a hater. No, God is telling us that he hates certain things because those things are going to cause a serious trouble if we don't stay within the boundaries of what he's talking about. And when God says that he hates something, you best well listen because there's a reason why he hates it because he knows, he knows that it will destroy us. He knows that. And so he gives us a forewarning, just like, you know, good good parents, you're going to forewarn your children uh, about any upcoming dan possible dangers and that kind of thing. Now, not that we uh, didn't want our children to have fun. Not that we didn't want them to uh, enjoy uh, having a hike and all of that kind of thing. No, you had to stay on the trail. You know, that was another thing that I said to the boys. I said, you can't. And, and the girls, they tended to, to listen more. And um, they didn't want to go off into the high grass and all that because they were more keen to listening to those boundaries that we set because we explained there's dangers there and you've got to be aware of that. And uh, But the boys, of course, the, if you've ever raised boys, and we had four of them, and at one time we had five. Like I said, there were ten, there were five girls and five boys at one point. And um, uh, one uh, little foster child that we had that added it up to ten, uh, he stayed with us for a while. And uh, but but for the most part, we had my nine that stayed with us for so long and adopted and all of that kind of thing. But, um, you know, uh, we would be telling the boys because they were more rambunctious. Uh, if you've ever had boys, you, you pretty much know that that can be the case. Maybe not all boys, but um, certainly with ours, uh, you, you know, and, and just uh, not thinking and just running on. And and I'd be saying, all right. Stay on the trail. Stay on the trail. You can't be going off in that high grass. You don't know what you, you can't see what's there until that snake might be there and raise his head up and you step on it and then it's really going to be upset and bite you. And the next thing you know, we're off to emergency and having to, uh, you know, put you through all kinds of uh, things in order to keep you from, you know, suffering. Because I'll tell you, uh, you get bit by a rattlesnake, you can certainly suffer if, if it's, you know, uh, now, of course, a lot of times they bite, and it's a dry bite, but a lot of times it's not. And so we would give all of our kids instruction, and we'd give them the, the lowdown, and we'd say, now, you know, we've been out here before, and we've talked to y'all before, and we've said to you before, do not be running ahead so fast. I don't mind them walk. didn't mind them walking ahead if they want to, you know, because kids, you know, they don't want to be right there under the thumb of their parents and signing. You know, gave them plenty of leeway and that kind of thing. But I tried to give them some guidelines. You know, they were, they might be 20 feet ahead of us and, and uh, or maybe a little more. And, and, but I just say, look, this is what you do when you're walking because you're going to, you want to be looking out 
keep your eye open, but enjoy what you're doing, but keep your eye open, and uh, don't be making any uh, sudden jumps over boulders or, or running way ahead because you don't know what's there. And uh, so when you're living in an area where rattlesnakes are very prominent, which is where we were at, uh, we lived in a desert at the time, and, and so you've got to put those things in perspective uh, with your, your children. Well, God has done the same thing with the children that he has created on this earth. He has given us the word of God and given us boundaries. And uh, he knows that Satan is like, he's like a viper. He's like a snake. And he, uh, you know, as far as everybody say, now come on, I want to make this clear because some people jump on the bandwagon. They say, oh, well, you know, the snakes, well, they strike because they're afraid of you. And that may be true. That absolutely may be true. They're more afraid of you than you are them. Now, I don't know as much about that because you really don't know how scared to death I am of snakes. But anyway, but but in in all fairness, you know, there are people who study snakes and they say this is the case. Okay, well, that's all fine and well. And I'm not discounting what you're saying, okay? But the fact is, the devil, God knows the devil uh, better than you and I do. And God knows the things that the devil will put into place and, and, and certainly to try to trick us with. And, and uh, he wants to bite us with that bite of sin. He wants to bite us with that bite of deceit. And so when we look at the things that God's word says concerning the things that he hates, God is very clear. Look, there's a reason for these things, but I want you to know these are things I hate. Sometimes God just going to say these are the things I hate and you need to just accept it. You know, just like I told my kids, I said, you may not understand everything and I'm not going to sit there and give you every last blasted detail on why I said what I said. Sometimes I said, and that's the way it is, and I'm not going get, to get off on all the detail right now, but we'll talk about it another time. But right now, this is the way it is. You know, because it could have been uh, that, like, sometime we would take them to the beach. And, uh, you know, there were times when, when you get where you're going, you see, when you get where you're going, you may not have thought to en encompass all of the detail of what needs to be going on, uh, you know, as a human being. And you may encounter something that you need to say right then and there. Uh, don't don't do that or don't don't go that way don't well why well why you know how children are well uh, you know all of us even the children of god we're the same <clears throat> well why does god have to say that well why does god have to hate this it doesn't matter you know sometimes it just don't matter your parents are trying to protect you just like god is trying to protect us you see and so uh, I am thankful and I'm grateful that God loves us so much that he's going to tell us what he hates because it gives us some insight into some things because I'm going to tell you what, the things God hates are the very things that Satan loves. You can make no mistake of that. The things that God hates are the very things that Satan loves and Satan wants to destroy us. He wants to fool us and trick us, deceive us and destroy us ultimately. But God don't want that. God wants to save each and every individual. Now, not everybody's going to be saved. I hate to have to say that because being a minister, I'll tell you what, when God puts a, a heart of love for people in your heart, in, in their heart to, to reach the lost, it's very hard to, to 
comprehend that there are people that are going to be lost and go to hell. That's really hard for me to process, but it's the truth. It is the truth. And the reason is because everybody's given a choice. You get a choice to serve God and have eternal life, or you get a choice to do whatever you want. You don't want to believe in God, God's going to let you have that choice. If you don't want to obey God, God's going to give you that choice. That's your choice. But what you do not get to choose is the consequences for choosing such a foolish, you know, making such a foolish choice. Decision, decisions that have eternal consequences. Because certainly, if you say in your heart there's no God, that's a fool that speaks that way. That's what the Bible says. I'm just telling you what it says. Don't be angry with me for calling you a fool. You're a fool. You are an absolute fool if you say that there's no God. The Bible says so. I'm just telling you what God says. You're being foolish because there is a God and you're going to meet him. Do you understand? There is a God and you're going to meet him. Amen and hallelujah. And so, you know, along the way as you raise your children and, and you know, like I said, we would take them to the beach and all. And, you, you know, you had to say, because you don't know uh, exactly how to limit how far they're going to go out into the water until you get there. Y'all know what I mean? And so when they would get there, I'd say, now you've gone far enough. Well, I wouldn't have known that until I look out there. You see, because I'm a human with limitations. I can't see everything from, uh, you know, uh, uh, like God does. God can see everything from the beginning to the end. I can't do that. I'm limited as a human being. But you see, God's not. God is not. And so God is going to give us some words, and you're going to have to understand. Look, he sees beyond way, way, way uh, further than we do. Way further than we do. And sometimes you just got to trust him. That's what part of trust is. Okay, he said so, so we're going to have to go with that, you see. And there was times that I instructed my children, and they were going along, going along, going along with whatever they were doing, and then all of a sudden something would take place, and they would look at me, and I would look back at them, and I'd say, I told you so. I said, now I'm glad you listened to me, because I said, you see how, how bad that could have went if you wouldn't have listened to me? Yes, Dad. And it wasn't because I was trying to be controlling or anything of the sort. Uh, you know, when kids are growing up, that's what they're going to think. Uh, I mean, if you're a parent, get over it. Get over it. Don't sit there and try to please your children all the time. You're going to drive yourself absolutely out of your mind if you sit there and try to please your children all the time. It, it makes no sense why people do that. And God don't do it. He's not going to sit there and just please us. Oh, you know, I think, you know, I don't want him to be mad at me, so I think I'll just not give him boundaries. No, you're a fool if you don't give your children boundaries. And God himself is not a fool. So he gave us boundaries, you see. Don't sit there and let your children. I get so sick and tired of listening to these bunch of fools that sit there and say, well, I let my children make their choices. Well, you can let your children make their choices, but something, and that's all right. You know, I let my children make choices too. You know, there were certain things. Uh, you know, we, we had certain things that we allowed our children to be a part of, and one of those was that we said to our children, you know, if you want to be involved in things, I'm not getting involved in sports. I'm not getting involved. I said, none of my children are playing football. So you might as well accept it. It ain't happening. 
I said, that is not happening. And I uh, did not, and I still don't, uh, agree with parents allowing their children to play football. I think it's a dangerous sport. You've seen over and over and over and over and over how many times people have hit their heads and had concussions, and then serious outcomes come from it. And you can sit there and, and use your pride, because that's what does it, Use your pride. I've got this. My son is a football player. Nowadays, they might say, my daughter's a football player. Or your whatever else is going on. But anyway, um, I, I told my kids, I said, that's not happening. My my oldest son, he said, well, I want to play football. I said, I already told you you ain't going to. I said, we're not doing that. So what he chose to do, I said, I, I, I explained to you all, if you want to be involved in something, then you can be involved in band, and you can choose whatever instrument you want to. I said, whatever instrument you want to play, that's fine. You won't do that. I said, but I'm not. I'm not doing this. I said, we're not. I said, absolutely not going to be involved with football. Now, one of my daughters at one point she did want to play um, volleyball, and I told her no. And I told her no for a different reason, not because it was dangerous but because of the skimpy shorts that those young ladies wear. And I said, and you're not dressing like that. I said, because we don't do that. I said, the Bible says to dress modestly. And so if you want to find a sport that's more modestly uh, dressed during the time you're playing, uh, you know, then we'll think about that. I said, but when you get off of that court, I said, you won't dress like a lady like I've taught y'all. Because our daughters, they did not wear uh, pants. They did not wear, um, you know, and people just get so bent out of shape over that. You know, but a lot of people, they get bent out of shape when God puts a word down. You say God didn't say nothing. God said in no uncertain terms not to wear that which pertaineth to a man, and you full well know. America, come on. You full well know. That pants pertain to a man. You know that. Don't you tell me you don't know that. You walk outside and you tell me how many men do not have on a pair of pants. Go to the stores. Go anywhere. Anywhere. And you know that pants pertain to a man. You full well know that. And you also know full well that a dress or a skirt. And, you know, and I even told my girls, I said, you know, if you want to wear, uh, they have... Uh, I forget what you call them now, but they appears a skirt. You know, they're very, very feminine looking, and uh, uh, they're they're not pants per se, uh, but they um, I, I just can't think of them right now. But uh, you know, a lot of women will wear them like if they're gardening or things like that. But they look like a skirt when you stand up, and even if you're you know uh, working outside, working in the garden or whatever. It certainly even appears almost like a skirt. But it gives that ability uh, to be a little bit more agile uh, and still be modest. But nevertheless, something that doesn't look like a pair of shorts. And so, you know, and I know, I know full well when I say these things, woo-wee, I can smell the fire burning. You say, what do you mean? Because some of you want to set me on fire. You don't like it when I talk like that, and I know you don't. But you know what? Uh, those things don't matter to me. You, you know, I realize 
that people, they get their ideas that stand against God's way, and they're going to stand there, and they're just going to keep on that way. And there's nothing you can do other than just say, look, this is what God's Word said. You can either accept it or you don't. Why is it that so many, now I'm going to talk to you more clear. Why is it that so many people are upset about men dressing up like women? You know, the what do they call them, drag? What were you upset about? Because a man's putting on a dress or a skirt? Why are you bothered by that? Well, I, I know why you're bothered by it. But why aren't you bothered when you put on a pair of pants? You see, it doesn't make any sense. You're double-minded. You know what the Bible says about being double-minded? It said double-minded man, and that means human being, is unstable in all of their ways. You can't be stable in your ways when you tell him something. And I agree. The man ought not be putting on a dress and putting on a wig and acting like a woman. No. But you shouldn't be putting on a pair of pants and cutting your hair looking like a man and doing all this kind of stuff. When the Bible clearly states that this is not God's way. And, you know, you can, you can be mad about it, you can be angry about it, you can be upset about it, but facts are facts in the Scripture. Now, so, let's, let's, now, I will say this about that verse in Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5. God says he hates that. You say, it don't say that. Yes, it does. Because it says it's an abomination unto him. And that word abomination, when you look it up, it means things God hates. He hates it, you see. And so we want to look to see what God hates because we don't want to stand where God, you know, is saying, look, I hate that. I hate that where you're standing. Don't do that. All right. Now, so Proverbs 6 is where we've been talking. We've been talking about the things that God hates. And uh, verse 16 through 19 uh, it says these are six things uh, uh, doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him. So he begins to list in 17 through 19 the things that he hates. And the thing that we've been looking at is a proud look. We have been talking about that. We have been uh, zeroing in on that. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole verse like I usually do, but uh, we can see that in no uncertain terms that God hates uh, a proud look. We're looking at that. So what I want to do is I want to turn to First uh, John chapter 2. Now we're not talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the four Gospels. We're not talking about that, John. We're talking about when you get close to the end of the Bible. We'll, we'll, I'm going to explain it this way because some people are new in the Lord and they don't know. Now those of you that know the Scripture were well, wonderful. I'm glad, glad and happy that you know the Scripture. But if you go to the book of Revelation, everybody knows that's at the very back of the Bible. Most people. Well, if you don't know, you know now. The book of Revelation, go all the way to the back. And then you're going to see this little book, one little chapter called the book of Jude, J-U-D-E. And by the way, that's a half-brother of Jesus. And then there's Third John, Second John, First John. That's the, the book of John we're talking about. And we're going to be looking at the uh, second book of John. And I want, I want to read this, and I, I, I want us to... Um, Take account and uh, take into account everything that's being said in these verses. But before that, y'all know the drill. We gonna we gonna have to pray to the Lord. We gotta talk to Jesus. We've gotta call on the Lord because He's the one that's gotta direct us. He's the one that's got to direct us and guide us in all that we do and say and all that we study in his word because we could get off track. We need that Holy Ghost power to direct us and guide us in the word. Amen and hallelujah. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. Hallelujah. The truth of your word. It is the truth that you hate some things. And Lord, as we 
look into this thing called a proud look. May we turn every stone that needs to be turned to look at the proud look that we not step there, that we not walk there, that we not be there at all, Lord, but to walk away from those things that have a proud look. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And the word of God reads, it says, love not the world. Now, this ain't talking about, you know, the lost. You know, there's a lot of lost people out in the world because the Bible gives us instruction that we're to go reach the lost. The church body of believers, we have been given uh, the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile people back to God. So it certainly is not talking about the, the lost. Uh, John 3.16, many, many people know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, when you look up the word world, just as there's uh, some other words that are translated in the English language as best as they can or could, uh, sometimes it's a repeat of one of our English words. But when you look the word up uh, from where it was, because the, the New Testament, the majority of it is Aramaic, uh, you're going to Greek. Uh, you, you're going to look in those concordances to get the, the meaning of those words. So God is not talking about uh, the lost world, the people uh, of the world. Uh, he loves them, but he uh, certainly uh, hates uh, the things that we get involved with that, uh, that he hates. He does not want us to be involved with the things that he hates. And, uh, but God loves the people, uh, wanting them to be saved, but they ultimately have to make the choice. Now, so when it says, love not the world, it's the world's system, the world's way of doing things, the world's attitudes, the world's thoughts about things, the world's agenda. Mm -hmm. We got that, word, uh, that word, word running around a lot lately, haven't we? Agenda. Huh? Mm -hmm. So love not the world. Don't love the world's system. Don't love the agenda of the world. Don't love the woke agenda of the world. Don't love, <clears throat> you know, the, the thoughts that, uh, that God made a mistake when he created you and you were born a male and you think you're a female or, or you were born a female and you think you're a male. No, those are agendas of the world. Now, with that said, I want to make this very, very clear. When I talk like that, and I say those things, I am saying those things for people to understand where God stands and what the truth is. But in no uncertain terms am I trying to encourage people to be hateful towards those that deal with these struggles. Don't you dare. Don't you even dare step there and be hateful towards people that are lost and confused by the enemy because see when when somebody's born that's a male and they eventually think they are female this is a struggle for these people a deep and heavy struggle for them now i'm and i'm talking about the ones that really do struggle with this i'm not talking about what's you know uh, uh, this situation that's uh, transpired over the last four or five years and especially over the time of covid there have been a vast amount of people that are just jumping on the bandwagon of it. 
you know, it's a fad to a lot of people, and I mean that sincerely. There are some people that just want to be a part of it, and they just want to be running with this thing, but that's unfortunate for those who really do struggle with this. Because there are those that deeply struggle with it, and they uh, they are uh, at at a loss as to uh, what to do. But there is an answer. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you. He absolutely created you the way that He wanted you to be. But what Satan does is he confuses people, and he will cause people to not understand or to feel that God has made a mistake. Or, you know, like I said, not understand uh, what it is that. God is calling you to do or what he wants you to do with what he's created you to be. And and this has been an ongoing problem for so long. Uh, a lot of people, uh, they, they just don't understand what God wants them to do or what God wants them to be, uh, what, what God wants them uh, to do with their life. Now, then you've got others that they just consider what they do with their life as important and they don't care about what God has to say or what God's word has to say about it. And, and the Bible is going to tell us here in just a moment exactly what that's about. Now, let's continue to read. So verse 15 of the chapter 2 of the first book of John. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, that world system and ideas and all of that. If any man, that word man is translated human being, love the world, the love of the Father is not in him or her. You, you don't have the love of the Father in you if you love the ideas and, and, and the agendas of this world. If they don't align with God's ways and God's thoughts, God's ideas about things. Now, so it means the love of the Father is not in that person. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, this is what's in the world. Listen, folks. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, okay, what the flesh wants. The lust of the eyes, what the eye sees and what the eye wants. And the pride of life. The pride of life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The pride of life. And, and then it goes on to say, is not of the Father. The pride of life, folks, is not of the Father. And God says he hates the proud. Look, the pride of life is not from God Almighty. It is not. And then it says, but it is of the world. It's of this world's system, this world's ideas and thoughts. Verse 17. And the world passeth away. Make no mistake. This world and all that's attached to it is going to pass away one day. Now, you can sit there and shake your head. You can do whatever you want. But even people out in the world that don't even serve God. Matter of fact, people that just claim that there is no God and all of this. They know something's up. They can tell by looking around something is not right and that this world is going to go down. Well, it is going to go down. The Bible says here this world is going to pass away. And so it says, and the world passeth away and the lust thereof. All of that's that's attached. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's all going to go down with this world that's going to go out. You say, well, what hope do we have? Well, the Lord said he's going to create us a new earth. New heaven and new earth. But you ain't going to get there if you don't repent and get right with Jesus. You're not going to go. You will be destroyed right along with this world if you don't make up your mind to repent and turn towards the things of God. And so we've got to talk about this pride of life because 
It is something that God says he hates. He hates the, the look of pride. Now look at the rest of verse 17. It says, The world passeth away and the lust thereof. But, but he or she that doth the will of God abideth forever. The ones that do the will of God abideth forever. So let's look for a moment before we look at what the will of God is, what the will of God looks like. Let's, let's take this uh, kind of apart and look at this because the Bible is saying that what's in the world, one of the things that's in the world is the pride of life. So in looking up these two words, pride and life, the word pride, it comes from a word that's actually pronounced braggadocio. Now, I'm not sure that I'm pronouncing it exactly right, but it's braggadocio or braga, braggadocio. And certainly, you know what words come from that word. I'm sure you can tell. Bragging, boasting, and self-confidence. These are part of the word pride. Bragging, boasting, and self-confidence. Now, when, when we talk about the words uh, self-confidence, you know, a lot of people say, well, we've got to have some self-confidence. Well, not if it crosses over from what God says to do. Because there is a boundary that is inevitably crossed by this world. And when you say that, uh, you know, that this is a part of pride, self-confidence is a part of pride, what that means is that you have more confidence in yourself than you do God Almighty. You have become your own God. You have become self-sufficient. And you think you don't need no God. But I got news for you. Even the breath you breathe and the oxygen that you are sucking into your lungs. That don't belong to you. God created that. And you can sit there and say all you want. Well, the scientists, this, that. I don't give nothing, not two cents about what they got to say if it does not line up with God's word. Now, if it lines up with God's word, I ain't got a problem with it. But the bottom line is God's word is always right. Always, 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 always. It's always right, no matter what you say. And so if science lines up with God's word, then I'm all good with that. But when they start standing against God's word, I'm not okay with that. You understand? The Bible says God created us. Don't tell me I was some kind of amphibian that climbed out a bunch of slime and then I, and then I became a, a something else and, and then I hopped over and became an ape and then I, I... It's just the most ridiculous nonsense you ever heard. And do you know it takes more faith to believe that nonsense than to believe that God created you like the Bible says? And so the pride of life, it can extend to so many things including taking hold of the thoughts and ideas that this world, which God says is going to pass away, taking hold of the ideas and the thoughts and the teachings of this world that absolutely stand against God's word. And, and it's sad because, uh, you know, it, it is absolutely astounding how many people now, how many young people now go to college and they may be a Christian, or say they are. Uh, I've got a question about that. But... They'll say they're a Christian, and then when they leave, a lot of them are atheists. That's sad. Now, I will say this. Uh, I, I can pretty much guarantee you they weren't baptized with the Holy Ghost. You might say you're a Christian, but if you ain't baptized with the Holy Ghost, you don't have the power to overcome the enemy. 
That's the reason why so many people go into college and, and, and they come out, they may go in saying they're Christian and they come out saying they're an atheist. Because you've not been baptized with the Holy Ghost like the book of Acts says. And you can sit there and tell me up one side and down the other that you're a Christian. But if you're not baptized with the Holy Ghost, Jesus said that's how you're going to be endued with power from on high. And so, so what does Satan do? He'll confuse people because they listen to preachers that lie, that flat out lie, and say that the Holy Ghost is not poured out today. That's a lie. I know it's a lie because I've been baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I know it's a lie because my spouse has been baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I know it's a lie because millions and millions of people have been baptized with the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking in tongues. So uh, you can say all you want, what you want. But the bottom line is you're going to meet God. And you're going to have to give an account for all this foolish nonsense that you said that stood against God. And then you're going to be lost forever for not listening to God's word. And so that's the reason why we want this podcast to be there um, as long as it can be, as long as God tells me to do it, I'm going to do it. Now, I don't know how long he's going to let me do it. I don't know how long he's going to let me say the words that I'm saying, but he's made it very clear that this is what I need to do and to get the word out and let people know. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm the only one. Please don't, don't get that mindset. You know, I mean, there are people that think, oh, you just think you're, you're the only one that got anything to say. I never said that. Why are you going to falsely accuse me? There are plenty of people out there that are preaching the same truth that I am, that you need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name, just like the book of Acts says in chapter 2 and verse 38. I ain't the only one that says it. And not only that, in verse 39, God said he'll give you that Holy Ghost. It's for everybody, everybody that God will ever call. Has God called you to serve him? Sure enough, he has. Are you listening? I don't know. Are you? Huh? God knows whether you're not. Do you? Now, so the world's going to pass away and everything in it, all the lust, all of the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, it's going to pass away. So since we are talking about pride, the proud look, a proud look which God hates, this here that says that what's in the world is the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. The pride of life. Huh? And, and when you look up the word pride, have you, have you heard people that brag about what they have, that boast? I mean, they'll raise themselves way up above people. I've got people in my family like that. And uh, they will make it clear that, uh, uh, you know, that how they believe. They believe that everything that they've accomplished, whatever they've done, whatever they've acquired, it's all by their hard work. And, and uh, really, they, they, you never hear them open their mouth and give God the glory, ever. And, and that's a boastful, bragging thing that's full of self-confidence. And you're going to meet God one day. And you say, well, I don't have to say it. Oh, that's not what the Bible says. That is not what the Bible says. Read what it says about what we do with our mouth and what we say with our mouth and how we confess with our mouth. You know, we are to confess the Lord Jesus Christ, not only him as our Savior, but uh, as well, uh, the one that leads our life and guides our ways. You know, if somebody says to me, well, why can't you go over here? Why can't you do that? Because God puts boundaries on me and I'm not crossing those boundaries because I can't. Now, I'm not saying that I've never crossed boundaries. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Anybody that sits there and lies and says, oh, they've never crossed any boundaries of God. You're a liar. You're a flat out liar. And you're going to go to hell if you don't repent. But the bottom line is that 
When you realize the mistakes that you've made and you allow this pride to get a hold of you, this bragging and boasting and self-confidence, you have got to repent of that. You have got to let that go and, and give it back to where it came from. It came from the devil himself. Because that's what kicked him out of heaven. That's, what, that's why God kicked him out. Because pride got a hold of him and then rose himself up as if he was going to be God. or going to be like God. And, and he took a third of the angels. So don't tell me the devil ain't got no power. He sure does. He said, well, why does God let him continue on? The Lord is not going to let him continue on forever. But there's reasons. There's reasons. Look, and let me explain something to you. In the book of Revelation, it says he's going to be bound for a thousand years. Do you know even when the devil is bound for a thousand years, people are still going to be prideful. People are still going to allow things to rise up. If you don't believe me, you haven't read that whole book as to how things are going to go uh, during that time. And even at the end of that age, those thousand years, that you say, well, the Lord's going to rule in peace. Well, he is. But have you ever read the story about... Uh, uh, well, it's not really just a, a story. It's actually the word of truth. Because he said anyone uh, in certain areas that will not go and, and worship uh, God, that they're going to be required to go uh, and, and worship the Lord uh, once a year, I believe it is, and they refuse, then God is going to stop the rain in the areas where they are. So don't tell me that things are not going to happen uh, that are unlike what we would hope them to be as far as um you, you know because some people think what's well, a thousand years of peace so that means not anyone is gonna that live on the earth are not gonna make any mistake whatsoever there's scriptures to show that to be different now sin is not gonna rule and reign absolutely it's gonna be a place of peace because i'll tell you what the minute anything rises up god's gonna stamp it out it's not gonna be like it is here now because here, sin runs them up because it's not stamped out. It's not stamped out. You're not being ruled by God. God is going to rule through Jesus Christ. He's going to be for a thousand years ruling on this earth. And what he says goes. And those that have made up their mind to follow him now, we're going to be ruling and reigning with him. And people are not going to be getting away with what they think they're going to get away with. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a place of peace. God is going to see to it. And uh, But... But, you know, there'll be some uh, things that come up uh, that uh, show that people, even with the devil bound for a thousand years, still have a mind because of the flesh to just do things that are not what God wants them to do. And you will find that because at the end of the book of Revelation, when it says that Satan will be let out for a little bit to deceive, well, those there are folks that have already been um, through this period of time, you know, because during the thousand-year reign, uh, there are going to be people that are going to live for a very, very, very long time. People on the earth that are going to live a really, really long time. But that doesn't mean that there won't be death. A lot of people think there's not going to be death. The Bible doesn't teach that. Because it says that a child will be considered 100 years old. The scripture talks about that, and it's talking about that in, in the... Um, a thousand year reign when the Lord rules and reigns. 
So it's, it's going to be a wonderful time. It's going to be a peaceful time and all those things. I'm not saying that uh, uh, sin is going to rule the day because it's certainly not. Jesus is going to rule the day, and that's the reason why it'll be a thousand years of peace. But it doesn't mean that people won't try to rear their head up sometime and do things that uh, is not meant to be done. And so uh, you say, well, why did you say all that? Because it, the reason why God is going to allow that is to prove this very fact. Just because the devil isn't there don't mean that you're not going to have to deal with your flesh, that you're not going to have to deal with uh, this thing called the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and all, all of those things that we, we deal with. You say, well, how is that even going to be possible uh, when the Lord is ruling and reigning? You see, the church of the living God they're going to be taken out of this world. The Bible does make it clear that his people who are caught away when the Lord comes back for the church, when they come back with him, they're going to be ruling and reigning with him. Well, who are they going to rule and reign over? They're going to be ruling and reigning over people that are going to be left on this earth that was not destroyed uh, by other means and for other reasons, you know, People that took the mark of the beast, they obviously are going to be destroyed, and so on and so forth. People that worship the devil, they're going to be destroyed. People who said there's no God, they're going to be destroyed. But there will be a remnant of people that are going to be left behind because they did not choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But you want to make sure you get in the church. You want to make sure that you get saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. You want that baptism of the Holy Ghost down in your soul to give you the power to walk through this life and do everything that needs to be done. Now, if anybody would uh, hope to maybe speak a word against what I said in the book of Revelation or anything that I just got through saying, you're, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but, you know, the fact remains what we need to focus on is that the pride of life, there is such a thing as the pride of life. And, and, and this word pride, meaning bragging and boasting and self-confidence, you see that all over the place. People will, um, they will, I mean, if you ask them what they do for a living, a lot of people, and they will go into all of their details and everything they've accomplished and not one time mention the Lord. Not once. Now, let's look at this word life. What is this word life? This word life, it actually comes from a Greek word called bios. Or bio. Bios. We know what, haven't you heard that before? I'm gonna, uh, this person is going to write their bio. Or, or you might hear somebody say their biography, you know, and you find out all these details about their life and that kind of thing. But that's where we get that word from, because it is from that Greek word that's translated life, and it means bios, so, or bio, or biography. So, <clears throat> what that means is the present state of existence, your present state of existence, okay? What is your present state of existence? What is your life like right now? How do you live? Who is it that you give glory to? That self-confidence of yours? Hmm? 
Do you glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? Do you give him the glory and the honor over the accomplishments that you have made? Now, certainly, I understand that you have worked hard, you know, for those that have went to college, you got a degree and all that kind of thing, and you came out without, without ended up believing that there's no God. Well, then you've made a great accomplishment. That's wonderful. And the Bible says to give honor to whom honor is due. And, and I believe that. And, and I've done that in my life. You know, when I see somebody that's worked hard. But if they're going to be the ones that's sitting there running their mouth and tell me all about uh, the wonderful grand things they've done, you think I'm going to sit there and honor them? Mm-mm. They're doing it themselves. I don't need to say it. But that is where it becomes pride. That's where it becomes pride. Now, if a person is humble, and, and you know, when they're... Um, you know, and they're not just running around bragging about all the wonderful things that they've done and and, and uh, how they've accomplished this, that, and the other, and how they, you know, on and on and on and on. You know, I, I see so many people that the pre- their present state of existence, because that's what that one of the meanings of life when you look it up, the bios, the present state of existence is always talking about that stuff. I mean, it never ends. I've seen people where that never ends. That's all they talk about. They talk about the, 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 you know, what they say in certain circumstances. They'll tell you how they deal with this and how they deal with that. And it'll just go on and on and on. Just full of pride. And God hates that. The Bible says he hates it. So if you claim to be a Christian, why do you continue with the thing that God hates? Why do you continue with the proud look like you do? Because it's part of the pride of life. And God says those things are going to be destroyed. They're, they're going to pass away. When you look those words, it flat out mean he's going to destroy it. He's going to wipe it out. You see. The other meaning of life is your livelihood. In other words, how do you conduct your life? Not just what you've done in your life, but how do you conduct your life? Huh? Do you conduct your life in a prideful manner? Do you conduct your life in such a way that you, your actions and behaviors rule over other people? Hmm? And what I mean by that, I'm going to get detailed. Like gang members. Huh? Don't you know that when you are ruling over people where you're going to you're going to run up to them at an ATM and you're going to attack them and you're going to steal from them you're going to overwhelm them and all this kind of thing you better understand something god is watching you god is watching you he sees everything that every one of us do yes he does make no mistake god sees it all Yes, he does. And so, how do you conduct your life? What is it that you do with your life? Huh? What is it you do? Is your life centered on everything that wraps around your self-confidence? Is it centered on everything that you lust after with your eyes and your flesh? Because it's all going to be destroyed. I'm just a messenger. I'm just telling you. So, how do you conduct your life? Because, you know, there's there's husbands. You rule over your life like you own her. 
Do you know that's wicked? It's evil. Wicked and evil it is. That's right. It's the truth. Amen. The only one that's supposed to rule over us is God. And you you know how many husbands, they, they think they have the right to slap their wife across the face or their girlfriend or whoever that they're involved with. You think you have that right. That's pride. And it's a very ugly, filthy, dirty pride. When you go so far that your pride causes you to harm and hurt other people. I've seen where men do not value women like they ought to. Don't you know? The Bible makes it very clear in the book of Corinthians that the man doesn't even exist without the woman. That's what it says in the book of Corinthians. That's what it says. And and you you find that in, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, excuse me, chapter 11. And it's talking about the covering for the women and, and the man not to have the covering. And I'm not going to get into all that. I am going to talk about that sometime because a lot of people don't understand that. And it is the truth. Uh, the woman needs a covering and the man doesn't when they pray and or, or preach, prophesy, talk about the Lord. Uh, but the Bible makes it clear that you men, you know, you men that abuse women, you don't even exist without the woman birthing you. So how dare you mistreat them? But see, that's where pride comes in. Because you think it's okay. It's not okay. And let me go a step further. You preachers that think you can do that to your wives, you better repent. You better repent and turn to God. You better turn away from that wicked way. You better treat your wife like God wants you to. And God don't want you doing that. Don't you know she's made in God's image? Yes. Men and women alike are made in God's image. You are supposed to treat her with respect and kindness and love. But your pride, it's what gets a hold of you. Because you think you rule the roost so much that you can do and say whatever. No, you have boundaries. You're a liar. If you think you have lied to yourself, you talk about self-confidence, you've lied to yourself. You think that you can do this to your wife. No. And let me say something to those that are not married to any of these control freaks, because that's pride. Let me say something to you, any of you that are getting ready to marry. If you see this in them, don't you dare walk down the aisle with them. Don't you dare make it legal. Oh, my word, run the other direction. I'm not kidding. Run the other direction. Because if you think it's going to get better, if you think you're going to soften it up, no. They've already showed what they're going to be like. If they're full of pride now, they're going to be then. Now let's talk about the women. Don't think I wasn't going to get there. You women that are so full of pride. Hmm? I've seen women treat men like a piece of dirt. Oh, yes. You talk about your husband so bad. No wonder he don't want to be the man of his house. No wonder. 
No wonder you you beat him down. You talk bad about him. You you. I mean, he has no uh, say in the house whatsoever. Like like a man ought to be able to do. Now I'm not talking about just being uh, the ruler to where you don't sit and work together and pray together and talk together. I'm not talking about that. But uh, I, I'm talking about these women that just absolutely throw men under the bus. Treating them like yesterday's newspaper. You're just going to wipe up the dog's poop off the ground with them. By the way you treat them. And by the way you talk to them. By the way you disrespect them. Huh? What man has got any sense about them to be treated like that by a woman? I mean, you know, you women that treat your men, man like that, your husband like that, that's, that's no different than those prideful men that, that beat on their women. And when I say women, I'm talking about women because women have been thrown in the garbage too. When I say woman, I'm not meaning that in a disrespectful manner. So get over yourself and sit down and be quiet. Stop acting like such a fool that you don't understand what I mean because I'm going to say something to you. They're still women. They exist whether you like it or not. Huh? They are. They exist. A woman should be honored. A woman should be lifted up and honored as the woman that she is. Not treated like yesterday's newspaper. Smeared all over the place. Come on now. But that's all pride. You women that run your men into the ground. You men that run your women into the ground. It's pride. It's the way you conduct yourself. And you're going to have your day in court with God. Yes, you are. You're going to have your day in court with God. God Almighty. Hmm? I don't care what God you serve. If you don't serve Yahweh, you don't serve the God of Israel, I'm going to tell you what you're going to mean. Yes, you are. And you're going to find out God didn't like pride. He hates a proud look. And so God, he's going he to bring some preachers and, and, and people to talk, and they're going to say, look, God don't like this. Knock it off. All right. So as we finish this, because we're already over an hour now. I didn't even know I was going to go this long. But anyway, um, at the end of verse 17, it says, But he that do, doth the will, or she, that doth the will of God abideth forever. Don't You know, I actually heard, I think it was Elon Musk that was one that said, Oh, I don't, he didn't like the idea of living forever. Well, certainly not in this condition we're in. I wouldn't want to live forever in this condition either. Why do you think God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden? Because he did not want them going towards that tree of life and eating it and then staying forever in the condition that they were in. That's the reason why God did it. A lot of people say, oh, God was so mean. He was so mean. He kicked them out of the garden. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. No, God was being good because he did not want them going towards the tree of life. And then he made sure that he had an angel there uh, with flame and swords so they couldn't get back in and eat of the tree of life. Because if they did, they would be stuck where they were in the condition that they were in. And you, you don't want to be stuck. in. A, I, I don't want to live forever on this earth like it is now. Nobody in their right mind would want to do that. But the Bible does give us 
hope with eternal life that's far different than this life. Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sadness. There ain't going to be no more funerals. There ain't going to be any more need for ambulances. God is going to heal. I mean, there ain't going to be no need for uh, wearing glasses and contacts and, uh, you know, all these things that we deal with now. There ain't going to be no need for hospitals. There ain't going to be no need for uh, the funeral homes. And there ain't going to be no need for graves. And I mean, we can go on and on and on. Because God is going to change everything up. It's going to be different when we have the new earth. Okay? When we have the new earth. And God has promised us a new earth. This one's going to pass away. And he said, even the pride that's involved, the pride of life, it is going to be destroyed. It's going to pass away. So you don't want to be on the bad end of this. You better hear. You don't want to be on the bad end of this. So... So you're going to have to repent of your pride, whatever it is. Now, it says here at the end of verse 17 in the second chapter of the first book of John that he or she, that doth the will of God abideth forever. So what does it mean to do the will of God? Well, doing the will of God, when you look this up, God's will, I looked up that word will, the will of God versus the will of self because we're talking about the pride of life, which, which you know, we found out that it means that this over-self-confidence. Now, certainly, people have to have some confidence that God gives them. I'm talking about a balance here. You know, because if people don't want to even take care of themselves and they have this, just their self-esteem is so low, they won't bathe, they won't shower, they won't brush their teeth, they won't comb their hair, uh, they won't change their clothes. They, I mean, it, the list can go on and on. They don't care about themselves. We're not talking about behaving like that. No. I mean, God is going to give us confidence in Him, and that is going to bless us to be uh, the the person that we're supposed to be in Him. And that is going to create good things in our life, not bad. But self-confidence that uh, erodes at the will of God, it literally erodes away at the will of God. That is something God don't like. And so the will of God versus the will of self Hmm? God's will. So, that word will means God's will. It means God's choice. Okay? God's choice. So how do we know what God's choice is? The Word of God. In the Word of God. We find out what God's choice is in the Word of God. You know what the Lord said? Choose life. Not death. He said choose life. Why are so many people obsessed with death? Why is this generation so obsessed with death? And you know they are. You've got movies called The Living Dead. Now, I've never watched it, and I'm not going to. But people are so obsessed with it. And so uh, uh, God's choice is choose life. Huh? You've you got to think about those things. God wants us to live life. The Bible says that Jesus comes to give us life and that more abundantly. God wants to give you an abundant life. But if you're going to obsess with death and killing yourself and all those kind of things, that's not from God. That's not what God wants. That's what Satan wants to do and he wants to destroy you because he wants to take you to hell because he knows he's going to hell and he wants to take you with him. Now, I'm not trying to run nobody down. I'm not trying to make anybody upset that maybe you're struggling with suicide or anything. Listen, I've been there. I've been down that road. I attempted suicide when I was a teenager and, and I didn't just go a little far, I went all the way because my heart literally stopped in the emergency room. And and thank the Lord, the Lord put my spirit back in my body and I've been living ever since. And about two years after that, less than two years after that, God baptized me with the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and I've had a long life and I've had a lot of struggles. 
You know, a lot of people you know already, if you listen to my podcast, you know uh, I've been through a lot of things. I have struggled through a lot of things. I was uh, viciously raped by two uh, almost adult, you know, they were teenagers, but they were almost adult uh, uh, males that were in our neighborhood, men, boys, whatever you call them, but they were uh, pretty close to being adult. Uh, two of them viciously raped me. I was nine years old. I've been through the ringer, folks. I've had a lot of things happen to me. My father died uh, when I was very young. I was four years old when my father died, and he died three weeks before my fifth birthday or thereabouts before my fifth birthday. And and the sad thing is, back in the 60s, nobody discussed to you about really how death goes and all. They just say, oh, he went on to be with Jesus is what I was told. Well, I didn't really understand that at that age, and I just could not comprehend what that meant and I kept wondering well, why didn't my dad show up on my birthday why didn't he show up for Christmas and on and on and on and it wasn't until I was eight years old that I realized my dad had died and so I've been through the ringer folks I've had all kinds of things I've had much abuse from a stepfather that was extremely abusive a lot of things that has gone on but look there comes a point and 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 like I said and then I you know was teased horribly at school horribly horribly you have no idea how terribly um, awful I was teased at school kids just throwing rocks at me and um, calling me names spitting on me calling me faggot all kinds of stuff when I didn't even know what that word meant I mean they called me queer they called me all kinds of stuff and here I am I'm like 11 12 years old it's like why are they calling me this what is going on because I wasn't like everybody else you know, in a lot of ways, and I guess they picked up on some things. But I've had a lot to deal with, and I've had to uh, deal with uh, church folks being hateful to me whenever I struggled and dealt with so many things. Um, it went through a failed marriage and uh, so, so many things, okay? So I say that because I want people, if there's anybody out there that hears, listen, God loves you. He really does. And you may have gone through the ringer yourself. Because what I've said to you is only touching the surface of what I've been through. And so you, you may have went through the ringer yourself. But a lot of times what happens with people when they've gone through that, they allow the pride of life to get a hold of them. And they will just rise way up, way above that, and try to take hold of this self-confidence so far out of God's guidance and boundaries that it begins to destroy their life because they were so beat down when they were younger. And, and, and so, listen, I encourage you, I encourage you to please, with a pleading in my voice, hear me when I say you've got to let go of this pride of life and repent of it as a means of salvation to you. Because the Lord loves you, He cares about you, and He wants you to be saved. And, and so, what's God's will? God's will means God's choice. Look to see what God's choice is in His Scripture. Did God choose for you to be a man? If you were born a male, he chose for you to be a male. Did God choose for you to be a woman? If you were born a woman, he chose for you, or female, excuse me. If you were born a male, he chose for you to be a male, a boy, a man. If you were born a female, he chose for you to be a girl and then a woman. That was God's choice. Not something you were assigned at birth. That's nonsense. But the reason why people take hold of those ideas is because of pride of life. And maybe you can play some of that uh, into, well, they were just so beat down and they were so 
uh, troubled and I get that but what happens is the pride of life takes hold of the heart and then it rises far above where God intends us to go and God don't want us to go down that road because it's going to destroy us and he loves us so he does whatever he can and he brings a voice to you to try to pull you back and say look come back this way because God can help you he really can now on this side of things with those of you who claim hello you better wake up and hear me claim to be a Christian if you claim to be a Christian, you better act like one. If you claim to follow Jesus, you better do that. And I'm talking to those that you've been rude and hateful. I remember in the name of, um, well, your misunderstanding of scriptures. I don't know how else to say it. I remember there was a time in my life and I had left the church, like I've told people before, I backslid. And I was struggling, you know, struggling with... Um, being gay, struggling with all these different things and stuff. And so I went out and I just, uh, I thought if I'm going to go to hell, that's what I'm told. I, I guess I just can't, I don't know what to do. So I guess I'm just going to go to hell. So I'm just going to go live my life. And, and so that's where things can really take hold and, and, and really rip you apart. But here's the deal. I came back to the church after so much of realizing that I had suffered through so much pain and 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 so much um, <coughs> well, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, consequences of my choices and all that kind of thing that you know, and I don't want to go into detail over that right now, but in any event um you know, I went back to the church, and there was a point in time, and I, I, I remember I was way up in the balcony, and my former pastor, he noticed that I was up there, and he said, brothers, would you, and I had my hands up, I would have my eyes closed, and I was praying, but I had made my way to the, way to the back up in the balcony, because I used to sit up near the front, and all that, and I just didn't want people to, to think that I was there trying to you know, do anything but be humble to God and, and so on. But, you know, long story short, those brothers obeyed. There were several brothers that came around, and they walked me down to the altar. But there were there were people that made it very clear they were not going to pray with me. They made it very, very clear they were not going to do that. And they even told other people that were around they were not going to pray for me. And they said that they couldn't pray for me because if I was had been gay and I had went out in that world and... I had lived my life, then there was no help for me. And so, listen, you people that have such a misunderstanding of things and you, 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 you have listened to things that are not completely um, true and in line with exactly what God is saying, You've taken certain verses of Scripture and you've misinterpreted them to the point that you're not even willing to pray for somebody that comes down to the altar to repent, to, to turn. I mean, it, it just, it was a very hurtful thing to me. And then later on, I, I got myself so involved and uh, I was there every time the doors were open. Anything that I could be involved with, I was involved with. I went to counseling with my pastor but because I was so nervous of being around him and the fact that he knew certain things 
that had happened with me. And I'm not going to go into those details right now, but certain things that I had gotten involved with that the church even found out. And uh, so the pastor and caution, I guess, to want to be careful with um, why I may be there or whatever. I was there to serve God, but uh, he was very protective of, of the church and, you know, saying that he was going to make sure that there were people that were watching me and to make sure that I did not um, uh, hang around or fellowship with anybody that looked like they struggled with being gay or anything of the sort. Those were words that were said to me. And it was hard to hear. I understand to a point why I said it, but it was hard to hear. But at the same time, I had to look back over my conversation over the years, and I realized the way that I handled that conversation, there was no other reason for him not to say those things. I mean, some of the um, conversation that I say, had with him that day uh, didn't probably in his mind or thoughts lead him to think that I maybe maybe was repentant or walking with God or, or trying to serve God or trying to deal with this or struggle with it or whatever the words that people want to apply to it. So uh, there was a church picnic that I went to uh, eventually, and um, everybody had to label their bowls or whatever that they brought anything with, put your name on there, so that because there's about 1,200 people in this church, and so, and a lot of them were at that picnic, just taking over the whole park. And uh, I forced myself to go. I was afraid to go because I was, people, a lot of people didn't want to talk to me. A lot of people didn't fellowship with me. Uh, that It was really hard, even though I had come back and I wanted to um, be serving the Lord as best as I could and all that. People just, I don't know if it's because they didn't know what to say or what to do or afraid of me for whatever reason, maybe thought I was trying to bring an agenda in or whatever the case is, I don't know. But in any event, uh, it, was, it was very difficult. And so, now remember, this is a podcast, so I'm just, I'm kind of talking now, but I'm trying to get across to people, and I don't want you to take this to be like, poor Brother John, no, don't do that. Poor Brother J.W. Brand, no, don't do that. Because these are things that I've learned from, and I'm trying to pass them along to you as well as to the body of believers as well. Look, you, you can't treat people in this manner. Uh, and now I am not at all for those who are part of the gay agenda that sit there and try to uh, put their kids into a Christian school, knowing full well the Christian school stands against uh, your relationship as a uh, as a couple, as a gay couple, if they have those guidelines, then why are you trying to go in there and change it? Who are you to do? That's pride. That's pride on your part as a as a person that calls yourself gay or whatever. Now I don't I I don't use those words any longer. God has told me to come out from among them and be separate. But doesn't mean that I'm not going to speak to the the very group that I have been a part of for so long. Listen, you know there are people out there. They're so prideful. Why do you think that the parade has always been called the Pride Parade? Well, it used to be called the Gay Pride Parade. Now it's called the Pride Parade. And I, I, I know why that's changed. I know why it's changed. And I'm not going to get into that right now, but I full well know why it's changed. There's actually two very good reasons why that's changed. But in any, any event, we'll go into that another time. But uh, pride. 
it, it reeks in so many different ways. When you try to uh, assert yourself over other people and you try to force them uh, you know, to accept what you want them to accept. If they said in their, uh, you know, in their bylaws that this is something they don't accept, why are you going in there trying to force it? I mean, that is pride on on a gay couple's part to do such a thing, such as, uh, you know, you because you could find another school for them to go to. So, so why why do that? It's pride. Uh, the same thing with like, you know, you want to get married? Okay, well, you want to get married. You want to have a wedding cake? Okay, well, that's beautiful. Uh, I mean, if that's what you want to do and you think that's beautiful. You think that's what you want to do and that's, uh, you know, that, that's wonderful. If that's what you want to do and you think it's wonderful, hmm? I want to make sure everybody get a delicious piece of cake. I, the reason why I say wonderful is because I think wedding cake is some of the best tasting cake I've ever ate in my life. That's why I keep saying that. Because... I have tasted cakes all over the place. And when I went to, uh, I, I remember going to my foster sister's wedding years ago, and I never forgot it. I got that piece of cake, and oh, my goodness, it was so delicious. It's like, what do they do to the wedding cakes to make them so moist and so soft and so delicious? And I, it just it just it's always amazed me. Wedding cake is just so wonderful. But anyway, you know, people, they, they get this mind in them, uh, well, I want you to bake my cake. Well, what if that person, they have religious feelings against that because of maybe their translation. Now, whether or not the translation is correct or not is neither here nor there. Whether it is what you think is correct or not correct or whatever, that's neither here nor there. The question is, why do you keep forcing yourself on them to the point that you would sue them for not doing it? Pride. It's pride. That's why. It's pride. It's a spirit from the enemy, whether you believe it or not. So, with that said, I went to this picnic, and I had labeled the bowl. I had made mashed potato salad. And, um, but when I got there, I realized quite a few people had made potatoes, potato salad. Well, it was a good thing to put the name on there, you know. And uh, here's the deal. When everything was over that day, and I'm going to tell you what happened in between. Everything was over that day, and I went to get my bowl. Hardly any of it was missing. I had taken some of it myself because I knew what was in mine. But I did try a couple other ones, uh, people's potato salad that looked really good. Also because I love potato salad. Um, but hardly any of it. My bowl was almost completely full. You say, well, there was a lot of people. Oh, no, no, no. All the other bowls were pretty much empty, except for mine. Now, you can say what you want, and you can say that's a coincidence. I don't believe that. Not for one second do I believe that. Now, some people may have thought, hey, if I eat this potato salad, I might get sick. I might get AIDS. I might get... Who knows what went on in their mind? I don't know. I have no idea. But I don't, you know, uh, no, I do, I'm not HIV. No, I don't have AIDS. And I thank God for that because it was only the mercy of God that kept me. Only the mercy of God. God was good. God was good. The mercy of God. But through that day, I brought me a blanket to sit on like everybody. You know, a lot of people, they brought blankets and they sit down. And I sat there by myself. 
and people passed me by over and over and over. And I would say a very large portion of the church was there. And I'm telling you, there was about 1,200 people in this church, a very large portion, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people there that day. And um, people walked past me and didn't say a word to me. I sat there alone and people didn't talk to me, didn't speak to me. I finally had one couple that um, invited me. They saw what was happening and they invited me to come over and sit with them. But um, there came a point in time, and this couple actually invited me to their house to have dinner. And you say, well, see, you got fellowship, you got company. Yeah, well, let me tell you what happened. When the woman's husband went to the bathroom, she very quietly whispered to me, don't tell my husband, but I myself have had an attraction to women. She said, please don't tell my husband. So I thought, I don't know what in the world I'm supposed to do with this. I don't know what in the world I'm supposed to say. I don't know. I, you know. So, you know, you, 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 you deal with all these different things. You struggle with all of these different uh, types of things. But the bottom line is this. What is God's choice? Because it says we're going to abide forever if we do what? It says, but he or she that doth the will of God abideth forever. So what is the will of God? Well, the will of God is God's choice. The next thing is God's purpose. What is God's purpose? God's purpose is to save the lost. God's purpose is to save us. God's purpose is, is for us to be redeemed and saved. And then the other thing, God, and you could add more to that if you wanted. And then there's uh, God's will means God's desires. You say, well, what's the difference in God's choice and God's desires? Well, there may not be a whole lot of difference, but you can absolutely find God's choice, which it says choose life. Okay, But God's desires are also laid out in many other ways. Many other uh, passages of, uh, of Scripture gives us God's desires, and we have a responsibility. If we're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to look at God's, God's Word to find His desires, which is part of His will. And then last but not least, and this one's going to get a little sticky, but I'm going to try to be quick because we've already, we're going to have gone to almost an hour and a half. But God's will also means God's decree or God's law. The word decree means law. You say, well, we don't live under the law. Well, we don't live under the Mosaic law to be saved. No, that's true. However, God's law is still God's law. We don't look to the law to be saved. Certainly, our salvation comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. There's no you know, faith in, in Him, and our faith is to show up in our actions and words and behaviors. Book of James teaches that. But um, Jesus made it clear that not one jot or tittle of the law is going to be done away with until the enemy is laying under his feet, pretty much. Well, when's that going to be? Well, that's not yet. You say, oh, well, it was when Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, the Lord has already made it clear that he's triumphant. He has won the battle. But the bottom line is the battle's not over yet. He's won it, but it ain't over yet. Because you and I are still here and we're still battling the spiritual battle. If we weren't, we wouldn't need no armor. Like it tells us in Galatians chapter 6 to put on the whole armor of God. 
you find that, I believe it's in chapter 6 of the book of Galatians. I think it's uh, verses 10 through 18, somewhere around there. So, what else does God say about his law through the mouth of Jesus Christ? He says, well, not, not a jot or tittle are going to pass away until all has been fulfilled, everything, till the enemy lays at his feet. And, and, and certainly God is going to do that because one day there's going to be a new heaven, there's going to be a new earth. Uh, all of these things are going to pass away, as, as we see so clearly, including the pride of life. It's going to be destroyed. So there's no point in hanging on to pride because it's going to be destroyed. But if you continue to do it because that's what you enjoy most, you better enjoy it while you can because you're going down. You're going down. And that pride is going down with you. If you refuse to repent of that pride, it is going to take you out. No questions asked. Now, God's law also out of the mouth of Jesus includes these words. And people forget one part. They will read one part, but they'll forget the other. They'll say, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's all they'll say. Oh, that's Jesus' law. Love your neighbor as yourself. They forget the first thing Jesus said. To love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, everything. Everything within you. They forget that part. Well, what does it mean to love God with all your mind? It means exactly that. All your soul. It means exactly I mean, every part of your being is to love God. So therefore, you have to let go of pride and allow God's desires and God's purpose and God's choice and even God's law to rule and reign over you. You know, does God say he don't like this or that? Then we don't have a reason to hold on to it because he said he hates it. And the pride uh, of life is that thing that God said is a part of this world and its system and its ideas. So we have to let go of that because it's going to be destroyed. So with that said, I want to pray for some folks as we close. Dear Lord, I thank you so very much for your mercy and your goodness and your kindness, your long-suffering that you had so much for me. I thank you. I thank you for pulling me up and out of this world system. I thank you, God. That Lord, when you said to come out from among them, Lord, you gave me the strength to do so because I didn't have it on my own. And I thank you. But Lord, there's others out there that need the same strength and the same help that you gave me, that you blessed me with. And now for so many years after I wanted to take my life and did, but you put my life back in me, my spirit back in my body. You have given me so many more years to live, to come to know you, to come to know your love and your grace and your mercy and, and, and help to understand some things. And, and for the things that I couldn't understand, you gave me strength to get through. You have helped me to get through some horrible, horrible times in my life and difficulties that don't even make any sense for somebody to have to go through. But Lord, there's others that maybe deal with things worse than what I did, and they need your help. They need your strength. They need your encouragement. So I ask you, Lord, to give it to them now in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. May the Lord grant you the strength to live far away from pride 
in Jesus' name. God bless you. May the Lord keep you. He is such a good God. He is such a loving God. And um, there's nobody like Jesus. Amen.